This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer, standing in for Ian Doyle, who's sunning himself in Florida this week. Hopefully he burns to a crisp and comes <laughs> back bright red. Alongside me is just the two gentlemen, the three amigos today. It is the tallest member of our sports desk, Paul Ghost. How are you, Paul? I'm not too bad, Joe, yeah. Nice yeah. to see you. You right? Yeah, yeah. Good, thank you. And joining us is our full-time reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. How are you, James? Not too bad, Joe. I was fine until... Now Now I'm struggling to get that picture out of my head of Doily and his Speedos <laughs> on uh, You're the Daytona one that was sharing Beach. that round, wasn't it? Was... No, it was Christian, wasn't it? Oh, it's just Christian a horrible Christian was sharing thought, that round. Yeah, and also, it will be burnt to a crisp if there's anything above 10 degrees over there won't he because yeah. they don't get the sunshine in St Helens no. you know he was threatening to go to Brighton to, to fly straight in to go to Brighton to fly, well to private know, helicopter straight, straight to the ground <laughs> the, the, the Doyle copter <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be good well hopefully he doesn't turn up and, and ruin your day James he has promised me he won't be there so oh has he yeah. okay yeah he was threatening last night I can tell you that but I'm glad that he won't be there for you anyway let's talk football James you were at the press conference today um, Jurgen Klopp was, was in decent form, seemed to be quite happy, joking, wasn't really worried by two defeats. What, what did he have to say? Yeah, I think that was the, the main message, wasn't it? I think he was keen to get across that, you know, that as far as he's concerned, you know, what's been a disappointing start to 2019 hasn't done anything to kind of dent morale or the, the feel-good factor that had built up in the, the first half of the season. And you know, you'd, you'd say, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? But... You know, I think when you examine the two defeats, I think we all know there were mitigating circumstances behind both of them. Obviously, City was a fantastic game between two brilliant teams that came down to really fine margins. And the second one, you know, you, you have to take Wolves with a pinch of salt, really, because you know, it was effectively a second-string team um, that got beaten on the night. So, you know, you can... Obviously, the argument raged earlier on in the week whether Klopp was right or wrong to go with the team he did. But... You know, there's nothing to be gained, I don't think, from going going back over that because he made that decision. You know, it didn't work out. Liverpool move on. He was, you know, probably the 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 the, the main kind of thrust of the conversation. Predictably, was about injuries with you know with those having bitten hard in the last few weeks. But you know, decent news on that front with with Klopp confirming that uh, Joel Matip had been back in full training on Thursday. Jordan Henderson back in full training on Friday. Um, so that two bits of good news there, and also the fact that Dayan Lovren went off with that hamstring injury will only miss two games, according to Klopp, Brighton, Brighton obviously, and then um, Palace next weekend. But he expects him to be available um, for the visit of Leicester on January the thirtieth. So with Joel Matip, he's been out for the best part of what five, six weeks now. Um, might have been shorter. Yeah, it's about, yeah, I think, I think it's about exactly a month, month, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So what do you think, James? Do you expect him to play a part tomorrow? Do you know what? I think it's a tough one to call. I I think it's probably a bit too soon. Just because also, I just think Matip doesn't strike me as the type who, after two days, he's had two days full training. I don't think, you know, some players, like Virgil van Dijk cracked two ribs, didn't he? And was playing four days later. And, you know, you speak to van Dijk. Chiseled out of granite, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, all players are different, aren't they? And I think with with Matip and the, the injuries he's had previously, I'd, I'd be surprised. Not impossible, because you know, if if they're convinced the bone is healed, Klopp said earlier on in the week that it was just a case of waiting for the green light from the from the X-rays that the bone had completely healed and that he'd been able to do a lot of fitness work in the gym. So it's not like he was starting afresh on Thursday, having not done anything for a month. So that works in his favour. Um, 
But personally, I, I'm not sure I'd throw Matip straight in because I, also I think previously when Matip's come back in, having not played for a while, I think he, I think he's the kind of player that needs time to get up to speed. So yeah. I'd certainly be happier if, if we went into this one with a, a Fabino Van Dijk uh, double act. Okay, that brings me on nicely, Paul. I read your stuff on Monday night for my sins, <laughs> um, and you were very high on Fabinho. You gave him an yes, eight in, yeah. your, in your match ratings. Um, so I'm guessing you'd feel pretty comfortable if he steps in and plays alongside Van Dijk tomorrow. Yeah, I'd have no problems with that, to be honest. Um, it's obviously not his, his um, favourite position, and it's not even his favourite position in defence. He's more of a right-back if he's ever going to play in the back four, but I thought he did really well, actually, on Monday night. Um, not too many people come out of it with, with credits, but I thought he was one who certainly did. Um Playing, playing sense, playing out of position was always going to be a little bit difficult for him, but he would have been perhaps heartened by the fact that he had Lovren next to him, you know, kind of helping him through it, and then Lovren goes off inside the first five minutes. And then it's Fabinho, who's the more experienced one, with Kiana Hoover next to him, so he kind of helped him through that as well. And I thought, all things considered, I thought it was a really mature performance and a very good one. Um, obviously, it wasn't a result that anyone would have wanted, but I thought he was one of the stand-up performers, or the stand-up performer, so they have no problems really putting them in against Brighton on uh, on Saturday afternoon. You're just taking the word out of my mouth there. I was going to ask you, James, that maturity I think is a good word because considering he is still fairly new to the Liverpool team, yeah. Fabinho did show a great deal of maturity, didn't he, on Monday and, and seems to be growing into his role, whether it's in defence or in midfield, very well. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I did feel for him because you, that, that back four after six minutes was just ridiculous, wasn't it? You know, you had... You know, two kids playing in the back four who'd never played before. You know, obviously, when have we ever seen a sixteen-year-old kid playing centre half against yeah. Premier League opposition? It just doesn't happen. Um, you know, Camacho has played most of his football further up the field. He's not, you know, he's not a real right back, and obviously very unproven. You know, on, on the left-hand side, Moreno was absolutely horrendous on the night. And is in, in his what four months away from from leaving the club as a free agent. Nice to so, see you holding back on. <laughs> it's been a long Friday, Joe. To be honest, Paul gave him a seven. <laughs> no, no, a six, seven, six, six. six. Yeah, you got slaughtered for that. It was, he, he must yeah, have had clean boots on or something. It, was, um, it, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a particularly bad performance from Moreno. It was just Moreno being Moreno, and you know. <laughs> so that's just a six. <laughs> nine, yeah. Six. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and I think you know that puts into perspective how well Fabino did because he. You know, he in, in in a position he's not used to to perform like that. You know, he reads the game so well. You know, he's strong in the air, uses the ball well. He had, you know, he had a big part to play in terms of guiding the youngsters alongside him. Um, he proved he can he can do it. Um, I suppose the only the only thing is, you know, Liverpool looked a much better team when he came on against Man City. Klopp, you know, you wonder if Klopp's in two minds about whether he does throw Matip straight back in. Does does he does he part of the thinking probably is you know we we look better with with Fabinho in centre midfield if he's playing centre back you misses his presence there I suppose the other option which we haven't discussed is Jordan Henderson was going to start the game at centre back on Monday night um, it was going to be uh, at centre back yeah, yeah, yeah okay it was right. going to be it was going to be that the plan twenty four hours before mm-hmm. was was Henderson um, and Fabinho centre halves. Which would have been interesting. Um, <laughs> that would have been very and, interesting. And um, and then the fact that uh, Henderson then got the knock in in training. Mm. Klopp explained mm. well it was it was then basically a toss up between do I go with Lovren or Kajana Hoover from the start. I think he decided you know you can't throw a sixteen year old kid straight in. Asked Lovren you know Lovren said no you know I'll play then. Um, and obviously that that backfired within a, a few minutes so. 
he obviously thinks Henderson can do a job there as well. Um, but I just wonder because Fabino's now got ninety minutes yeah. there and shown he can do it. You know, I, I think he would still be the obvious one to play there if Matip's not ready. Yeah. Well, strangely, Liverpool were in a similar situation last year when they when they went to Brighton. Uh, they won very impressively there, but they started with a back three, which, if I remember correctly, started had a little bit of a wobble at the start, but eventually settled into the game. But it was a back three of Genie Wijnaldum, Emre Chan, and Lovren. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's any way we could see something similar tomorrow? Well, I, I, can't, I can't really remember what the injury situation was against Brighton last time. It was the the Sembo, wasn't it? But I remember well, a couple were ill, weren't they? I think Gomez and yeah, Clavan had a virus or something. I think Gomez was ill, and I think it was another centre half out as well, wasn't there? Mm. Whoever the other centre half would have been, yeah, there. It would have been Matip. Matip, yeah, he yeah. was injured. Funnily enough, it was one of Liverpool's best performances of the season. Um, attacking wise, they absolutely blew Brighton away, and it was. Um, Coutinho was unbelievable that day. Um, I seem to remember Ian Doyle in his, in his analysis at the time said it's probably the best performance that Brighton fans will ever see just because of of how good he was on the day and Salah was firing, Firmino was super. You, you know they've been good if Ian Doyle's impressed. Yeah, he, he gave Coutinho a 10, which is you know unheard of for Doyle, isn't it? So um, they, they were great that day and they kind of made light work of the fact that they had two centre-backs in a three-man defence. Uh, sorry, two midfielders. Um, we could... Probably see something similar tomorrow, couldn't we? Yep. Whether it's would you, would Fabinho you, and Henderson alongside Van Dijk, it's. Would you be tempted to drop Wijnaldum back in there? He's done it before. Well, could do, couldn't he? Um, James, eyebrows raised. The thing is, then you almost reach where we then running out of centre midfielders yeah. if you play yeah, centre half. <laughs> don't need um, centre midfielders, James. Yeah, I, I think he's. It will be. It'd be interesting. I mean, we did our team selector, and I've gone with a. To... Don't ruin the end of this podcast. Oh, sorry. I'm going to ask you for okay. a line. Well, I, I won't go into the full just line. I won't give that away. Yeah. Just yeah, I went f- four, <laughs> two, three, one. Just because I thought, yeah, you could. I mean, you could go three at the back, but you're, if, if you're going to go three at the back, you'd have to play two midfielders there. Mm-hmm. Then, you'd, then, and I think one of the issues is Naby Keita does worry me in in terms of. I know again, you have to put it into context in terms of not easy to stamp your authority on that game with so many changes and so much inexperience and lethargy at times around you as there was at Molyneux on Monday night. But I don't think anyone really would have seen anything from Cater in that game that, that thinks you know he deserves to be brought back into the starting lineup for a Premier League game. And so then you know if then if Fabino's playing centre half, then then you are pretty limited. You know Milner looked really really tired. I thought yeah, the other night mm-hmm. so. You know, you, then you suddenly think, well, hang on it. So that probably leaves you Henderson if he's past fit. Sh- should you know if Henderson's back in full training today? There's no reason why he shouldn't play because he was only out for what four days or something. It's not like he's had a lengthy absence. So then you're probably looking at a two of Henderson and Wijnaldum if you've got Firmino in the in the back. Uh, Firmino, sorry, in the back four. Okay, well you mentioned Keita, so we will talk about him because he worries me as well. The Premier League wasn't ready for Naby Keita, but no. I wasn't ready for him to be quite this bad, really. And I have to say, after Thinking towards the start of December, like he was just starting to come into his own again, he seems to have fallen back. Klopp doesn't really even seem to trust him that mm. much. Gorsi, how worried about him are you? Do you think it's a case of you've got to just keep playing him and get him into some sort of room? Yeah, I must admit I'm starting to feel a little bit the way you used to are, to be honest. Um, I thought, there's been a few games where I've kind of thought this is the one where he's going to show up and this is going to be the performance where everyone finally sees why there was such a hype around him for, for 12 months, why Liverpool were so desperate to sign him 
before he eventually came to the door at Melbourne on, on July 1st. Um, but it just hasn't worked out for him, has it? And Monday night, you know, he, he was he was part of a few who didn't have the best night, but he just doesn't really seem to be building up any head of steam. He played well against Bournemouth. Um, that, that was a decent performance from him. He played well against Burnley. But you're still waiting for that statement, aren't we? That big yeah. performance from where you think, OK, we, we finally see what he's all about. And um, coming up to six months or so now he's been at the club and, and still waiting so yeah I, I'm starting to get a little bit worried I must admit James he seems a player that seems to have fragile confidence do you think that's fair? Yeah, yeah I think only I think judging it on what we've seen since he's been at the club yeah I think that is a, a fair comment I mean it's crazy because obviously he started so well you know you think back to that opening weekend yeah. against West Ham in August yeah. and we were all buzzing off I think I gave him man of the match that day and thought you know wow this yeah. is you know he showed he was worth the wait you know, Liverpool having that nearly had to wait a year from doing the deal to actually uh, getting him through the door at Melwood. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, it you know he, he's had injury problems, hasn't he? I think you know that hasn't helped. You know, there's been times when he's threatened to build up a bit of a head of steam, and then you know it felt like he's he's back to square one again. You know, I think it probably does damage his confidence. The fact a lot of big games have come along and he's been overlooked. I think you know you think of the City game, you know. I think everyone thought that he would be able to do for Liverpool what, say, you know, Bernardo Silva yeah. did for City that night to really light up a big game against a massive rival. Um, but yeah, I think trust clearly is an issue, and you know, I don't, Klopp, I think Klopp's genuine when he says you know, he just needs time because you know pl- players do adjust at different yeah. you know at different periods. But in saying that, you know rewind to to the autumn and Klopp was also saying well the reason why we're seeing Cater get off to a flyer is because we play a similar way to Leipzig Monaco play really differently to Liverpool so you've got to cut Fabino some slack so I'm a, yeah it is worrying we haven't seen more from Cater up to now um, and Liverpool aren't really in a position where they can say to him you know, you're going to play the next five whatever yeah. go and you know get yourself into some form because there's just too much at stake, and he wouldn't be in my starting lineup at the moment. Another worry I've got, Paul, is that. Got I'm a lot of worries, Joe. Yeah, I know. Well, just not on your mind. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have, James. I have. All, all cater related. I'm trying to get it off my chest. But, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, all cater related, yeah. I, I, think, I think about this a lot, Paul, as well. There aren't many Premier League players, and I, I'm challenging you to name a few, who have started this poorly and then become. A big star in the Premier League. People often throw Thierry Henry around, but he never started as bad as people made made out. And and I and I worry that yeah, there are players that perhaps didn't play as much or or whatnot, but there aren't many real Premier League superstars like Cater was meant to be, who have started this badly and then really shown that they, what they're about. Um, maybe Kevin De Bruyne at Chelsea didn't really work out for him there. Yeah, but it? it's a different team. Mm. Not taking that. Don't accept that. <laughs> Salah, different team. It's the same, same. I know it's similar. I know it's a different team, but it's similar in a way, isn't it? The fact that it didn't um, go away. <laughs> I'm worried about something here. Yeah, no, but no, okay, fair, fair point. But I mean, it, he's pl- he's played quite a bit. Salah didn't play quite as much as as Kate has played, and not not impressed. If that makes I, sense. I don't think he, I don't think he's been disastrous by any stretch. He just doesn't seem to. You see him on the ball, and, and you can tell he's got quality, and he, and he, he threads passes. He just doesn't seem to get on the ball enough and, and yeah. make things happen, which which is a shame because whenever he, now and again you can see that he does have something. So 
Liverpool fans are still waiting for her, aren't they? And the, the more the weeks pass by, the, the more worried the, you're getting them. The, in his defence, I think you'd have to say that I'm not too sure when Klopp plays four two three one, you mm-hmm. kind of think well, where does where does he fit into that? Because I don't think you know, he, I know Klopp's played him a few times, almost like on the left as he a, of a yeah. front three, but it's like he's almost you can see he's told not to. It's not as advanced as Shakiri on the right. It's, it's it's kind of like I don't know what in someone would in, there must be a football parlance for that position like a. A ten and a half or something but in terms clock of clock causing the half spaces. The, half, the yeah, wing ten. The um the wing ten, yeah. Brendan Rodgers called them a reverse winger. A reverse winger. Yeah. Brendan, um, Brendan would have a nice yeah, term for it. Yeah. yeah. Um so I'm not sure I think so I think you'd have to say Liverpool maybe haven't at times played systems that have when he's had to play games suited his best qualities. But in in saying that, you know, I didn't see a huge amount of him when he played for RB Leipzig yet. When I spoke to people that had worked with him previously, they all raved about how he, how he was this complete midfielder, yeah. and you know, part, um, part yeah, Iniesta, part Kante. Yeah, yeah. It was, they, and they, <laughs> yeah. well, they, I remember, I remember that was Archie Rin, wasn't it? That one, you know, kind of saying that you know, you, you know, he's similar to Kante in the fact that he can do everything that Kante does, but there's so much more to him because you know he can be that holding midfielder, but he's going to be, you know, an advanced midfielder. Where he's, you know, in the modern age, there aren't many box to box midfielders, yeah. but he's that. The other thing that worries me about him slightly is I, I thought he was going to be like a bit of a little machine in terms of like a, being able to handle it physically. But he, his lack of robustness worries yeah. me a bit. You see him like knocked off the ball a bit too easily and, and going over and I don't know, maybe that's all linked to like a lack of confidence yeah. and maybe he just needs one big thing to go his way in a, in a, a game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, a goal would certainly help um, because you know, I think... And he's bound to feel bad, isn't he? Because you yeah. know, when 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 a club pays that amount of money for you, you know he he will you know. And you, I, I remember going down to when and interview him at Anfield back in must have been July time, and uh, and he was talking then about embracing the number eight shirt and how you know this will inspire me. You know, it's not going to weigh heavily on my shoulders and all that. And you know, so he'll know that you know what is it six seven months down the line, he, you know he hasn't come close to to delivering on those bold words yeah do you think he could play a bit deeper Paul because I suppose the one good performance he has had recently was Burnley and he did play a touch deeper then yeah I think if if he's in the 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 4-2-3-1 that that would allow him to naturally play a bit bit deeper wouldn't it so uh, it might give him an opportunity to get on the ball a little bit more rather than waiting for a little you know 15-20 yards further forward it's it's an option I suppose Um, you sound more worried than me (laughs) Just weighing up the options. <laughs> There's certainly a player there, and if they can unlock the talents, then who knows how far he could go? Because he's, what is he? Twenty-three, fifty-two million pound midfielder. Uh, there is a player there, but just when are we going to see it? Yeah. That, that's that, that is the worry, isn't it? Well, let's hope he in, enjoys a breakout performance at Brighton. Because one man who did enjoy a breakout performance at Brighton last year um, was Andy Robertson who I'm reliably told by Paul Wheelock before coming into this podcast because <laughs> I've done my research is that he, he started that game and, and didn't really look back of course he was a little bit in and out of the team I remember him playing against Palace early last season and yeah. and then when he did nail down his place he stayed there and, and James it's been a phenomenal year for him hasn't it I, I, I struggle to think there'd be that many better left backs than Andy Robertson in Europe yeah, I, I can't think of one that's been as consistent as, as him over that that period because um, 
Yeah, I think it was around that time. I think Moreno got injured, didn't he? And it was against Spartak Moscow in the Champions mm, yeah. League. And, yeah, you know, off th- in tears, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that kind of opened the, the door for him. Um, and, you know, he, he was an absolute... You know, it's, it's just an example to any player that's not involved, you know, of doing everything you can to try and ensure that when that chance does finally arrive, you're, you're ready to take it because um, you know, he is... He, when you think that was a problem position for Liverpool for so, so long, like, you know... John Arnarisa, I thought, was a, a decent high caliber left back for a period, and then, you know, had a didn't have a great final season, and then you know ended up, you know, in, from when Liverpool bought the centre onwards, you know, it's it's been a bit of a car crash that position, but mm. you know he's he's been you know an absolute breath of fresh air, and um, he's just perfect. He's just a perfect clock player, isn't he? Yeah. As well with the engine that he's got, you know, his work rate the way he reads the game defensively, the way he gives so much in an attacking sense. Um, and you can see he just absolutely loves be, being at Liverpool. And yeah, when you think the last time he walked out at Brighton, <coughs> you know, I, I remember he, he, he actually he played pretty well at day, but he also made quite a few mistakes. And I think you could tell he was really nervous. I remember the, the press box at Brighton, you're pretty close behind the, the dugout so you can hear everything that gets said. And Klopp you know, was, was giving him a few rollickings over the course of that game. Um, and it, you know he was far from perfect, but you know with Moreno's injury, he was always. I think he knew that it, it was never going to be just a one-off. You yeah. know he had the chance to establish himself, and you know and once he got a few other games under his belt, he, he hasn't looked back. You know now, yeah, I think you're right. One of the best left backs in in Europe and and captain of his country. Yeah, I think what surprises me, Paul, is that and I have to admit, early last season, um, I sat here on a few <coughs> podcasts with Neil Jones, formerly of this parish, and. I pretty much wrote Robertson off. I didn't think that he quite was quite technical enough to be a Liverpool left back, but he's proven beyond doubt that he is, and he is very technically good, isn't he? Yeah, that, I think that's that was one of his big strengths that, that I saw when he was at Hull. I thought he, he was an excellent crosser of the ball, but you know Hull were in the lower reaches of the league and were shipping goals left and right. And let's face it, quite often those types of teams do do put in a lot of crosses. It's, it's yeah, a, yeah. an element of attack that they they like to yeah. Like to use, don't they? Yeah, he's, he's technically excellent, isn't he? He's aggressive and he's he's faced one on one with the winger. He's as James says, he's got an engine. And he'll run all day, and his overlaps and uh, and his kind of partnership that he's struck up with Mane is is excellent. And as you say, he struggles to name a better left back in the Premier League and and in Europe, he could be in the conversation as well. It's just been an incredible year for him, hasn't it? Um, one of the best around, and Liverpool are lucky to have. Do you think one thing missing, maybe a few more goals from him? Yeah, he, he scored on the final day of the season in the year against, yeah. um, was it Brighton, yeah? Brighton, Brighton, yeah. 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 Maybe he'll grab another one tomorrow. Um, he's not in the team to, to chip in with no, half not, a dozen no. goals or so, is he? But maybe um, he's got a he's got a great left foot so and he gets himself an advanced position so you maybe would like to see him have a few more shots in certain areas that can get his goal tally up a little bit, but... Um, there's enough players in the Liverpool team to compensate for, for his lack of goals. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Looking at Brighton, James, um, can you name me three players from that? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I know, I know, I know you can't. So, Glenn uh, Murray. Glenn Murray. Two big centre-offs. This is because we've just named a load before. Yeah. Few. Um, you remember that tweet? First seven of Brighton's team sounds like a stag weekend. <laughs> Bruno, Dunk, Jonesy. And... This is gross, gross. Yeah. But, but in all seriousness, I, I think Chris Hewton has 
probably made Brighton into the most underrated side in the league. Yeah, they yeah, are yeah. on the sly quite good, mm. and it's a pretty dangerous one for Liverpool tomorrow, isn't it? Because all right, they went there last year and won quite comfortably, but Brighton have been playing quite well, held Arsenal to a draw recently, and have sort of worked their way up to mid-table and, and a little bit higher. Yeah, and I think I was looking at the, I think the top six teams who, who have gone there and won this season. It's, it's only been by the odd goal. You know, yeah. they never. But you know, Brighton they're very rarely you know this you know they get beaten by many, especially at home. And you know they, I think last season they they picked up a ridiculous amount of their points at home, didn't they? Yeah. I remember, you know, obviously Liverpool had to beat them on the final day at Anfield to, and I think they don't. I think they they might have been once, I think, mm-hmm. away all season. Yeah. Um, but it is a you know it is a difficult place to go to, and even you know it sounds crazy when you win a game. What was it five one there yeah. last season? But there, there was a little period in that game. I think it was. It was either two one or three one mm. early in that second half, and God, it didn't Mignolet I mean, make they a made really a good save. He went straight down the other end. Yeah, well. and you know, and that obviously killed it. And you know, that was a big that was a big moment in that game. And yeah, it's definitely it's it's not the kind of game where you look at it and go, oh, that's a, that's a nailed on three points because it, it's not. You know, they they are you know a really really decent top flight team. And you know, I think Chris Hewton's definitely an underrated. You know, you get some managers who I think. This amazing PR job around them, yeah. where their achievements are inflated way beyond what they have actually achieved in the game. But he's at the other end of the spectrum, where because because he's very understated and yeah. always plays everything down. He's he's not particularly quotable, is he? You know, no. like reading his quotes yesterday. You know, it was it was complimentary about Liverpool. You know, they're the favourites, but I wouldn't put money on them winning it. You can't. You know, he's not he's not he's not the kind of manager who's going to be getting back page headlines, no. but. Yeah, I think you know you you do wonder whether why he doesn't get linked with bigger jobs because he's he's done a fantastic job there. Well, call me crazy, Paul, and I think he will. But I, I was when Klopp was talking about Hutton earlier. I was thinking, you think Klopp took Mainz up, didn't he, uh, to the Bundesliga, and and they were sort of an unfancied club, and and Hutton's done the same with Brighton, and he's established them as a Premier League club. They're not someone that you ever think could go down um, this season. So, do you think? It's just in England, you don't really get a chance. There, there wouldn't be a Klopp, would there? there wouldn't, mm. Tottenham wouldn't give Chris Hewton a job and, and he wouldn't transform Tottenham into title challenges. It is, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? And the thing for Hewton, fascinated me when I found out this week that he's 60. Is he? Yeah. That's, he's doing I think well, isn't he? A lot of people have got yeah, this idea he's, that he's... he's well, young, like his moisturiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's maybe like early 40, yeah, he's 60. The Chris um, Hewton body plan. Yeah, be good. <laughs> but he, he's, done a, he's done a great job, hasn't he? And, and to be fair, he, he didn't do too badly with Newcastle either, did he? So yeah, he was badly treated yeah. there. Yeah, it may, maybe next time there's, there's an opening a little bit further up the league, he should be in the conversation because he has done an excellent job with the Brighton, turning them from you know Championship team into a Premier League team that look like they're going to be around for for a few years, don't they? They've got, they've got a few decent players in there and. He's doing a fine job, uh, fair play to him. But yeah, as you say, it's uh, it's difficult, isn't it, for a lot of managers to kind of get recognised. Sean Dyche was, was kind of on the cusp of it, wasn't he? And, and maybe he's out, outstayed Burnley a little bit too long and his stock's kind of dropped off a little bit this season. So when your stock's high in, in, in management, you need to kind of take the opportunities that come your way. But you never really seem to hear who mentioned in, in, in the, the debate. No, that's all. Um, James, news and notes from this week. A story from uh, this morning by your good self. Divock Origi won't be sold in January. Um, he's, had, he's had a good transformation, hasn't he, in these last six months. Obviously, in the summer, Liverpool were quite keen to sell him. Um, 
accepted a bid from Wolves. Yeah, turned out. 22 million. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it seems a case of one goal has transformed this season, hasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, partly down to him in terms of the improvement that Klopp's seen in him. But I think, I think also the fact that Liverpool got such a, a crazy offer from Bournemouth for for Dominic Solanke. I think, I think it was all. I think we said yeah. on the pods last month that we expected one of the two of them to go, but it, you know it wouldn't be wise to offload both of them in January. And I just think with the way that the Solanke um, kind of saga panned out, with you know the, the loan move to Palace collapsing, and then suddenly Bournemouth being willing to pay so much money um, for a young striker with plenty of potential but only scored one Premier League goal I think Liverpool would have been crazy to turn down that summer money um, so yeah and I think you know been a fair bit of interest in Origi and I think obviously Wolves who wanted him last summer still wanted him Fulham uh, West took a West Ham as well um, but yeah, you know, Klopp is adamant he's not looking to bring anyone else in this month. So you can't you can't let Rigi go as well because, mm. you know, yeah, Sturridge has had a bit of a, a resurgence, but we know with his fitness record, you know, if something was to happen to to Firmino, um, you know, you couldn't just be left with 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 Sturridge. So you need Sturridge and Rigi, you know, are still important to Klopp. I think whether Rigi's Liverpool career will go on beyond this season, I, I doubt just because. So he's only got a year left on his deal this summer, um, so you know I think I think he's going to have to go some between now and the summer to prove that he's good enough, you know, for Liverpool with you know if if they want to kick on again, um, because you know he's only between now and May he's literally going to be there as backup. I know you think that perhaps, well, almost certainly Liverpool will have to try and sign a striker in the summer, won't they? Because if Origi does move on, Storage's contract is coming to an end. They will need alternatives in that position, won't they? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think um, you know Klopp didn't buy a centre forward last summer, and the, the, the one of the one of the reasons behind that was you know he he he, he talked about leaving the path clear for for Ian Brewster. Um, I think it's I think it's actually a year ago year ago on Saturday since Brewster was hurt playing for the under twenty threes against Man City. Um, you know, finally there was a bit of light at the end of the tunnel for him. Um, back out doing some ball work at Melwood with the rehab staff. Um, you know, you know, Klopp still thinks he's got a massive future ahead of him. But you know, again, if you're talking about Sturridge leaving when his contract goes, Origi potentially being sold, you know, you couldn't just have Rian Brewster, a completely unproven 18-year-old striker, as as the only backup to Firmino. So, yeah, I think spending a decent wedge on a you know, on a on a high caliber backup striker is a a must this summer. I think you only have to look at City and you know Gabriel Jesus, who came into the side at when they played Burton this week, scores four goals. I think he's got twelve or thirteen under his belt already this season. You know that if Liverpool are serious about competing with City, not just this season but over the years to come, then you know you you've got to have that kind of firepower and reserve. And Liverpool don't have that at the moment. Do you think it's a hard position to buy for Paul because City? Probably have the perfect reserve, don't they, in, in Gabriel Jesus? Because he seems almost, he's quite young, seems so yeah. quite happy to play second fiddle at the moment to Aguero, but you would hope that in the future, they would hope, sorry, in the future that he would push on and, and become a, a, a first team player every, week in, week out. So for Liverpool, they've, they've got, it's a hard one to play, isn't it? Because they've got to find someone who can do a job now, yeah. but also is happy to be sort of fiddle, if I don't drop me water everywhere, to, to Roberto Firmino. It is, it's, it's a really difficult one because. Um, if Liverpool are looking for the striker, the reality is, unless it's 
somewhat, unless it's an absolute world beater, they're going to be coming in as backup to Firmino. So the player will already know that. So they're probably thinking the game time, we, chances of game time is going to be limited. So then you, the quality of the player is probably not going to be what's required. Or they're after someone who's supremely confident, who thinks that they can dislodge Firmino as the first choice. And those types of players are probably going to cost you upwards of 60, 70 million in this day and age. So it's a difficult juggling act for Klopp. Um, I think Origi is, is kind of falls into that category as, as a decent backup. But there's question marks over his future and, and then storage his contracts up and he's one of Liverpool's biggest earners, isn't he? So that there's an issue surrounding that as well. So I think when the when the summer transfer window opens, it is going to be quite difficult for Liverpool how they go about recruiting another striker because they can either spend huge amounts of money for someone who's going to rival Firmino and then one or the other probably not going to play as much or you're going to buy a backup player who's might not be the standard that's required of a team who, who could be Premier League yeah. champions at the time who are going to be trying to win the title again next season on the Champions League Yeah Okay, three players who, who will play a part in Liverpool's future are Kijana Hoover Curtis Jones and Rafa Camacho James um, first of all Klopp confirmed that Rafa Camacho would not be going on loan to Sporting Lisbon today but in general what do you think for them for this season now um, because obviously with Liverpool going out the cup um, all three performed admirably on Monday night but do you see them getting much game time between now and the end of the season? No I don't think so no I think you'd be surprised I suppose I suppose the most the most likely one potentially in the short term could be Camacho you know, off the bench. Um, you know, if anything happened to Trent, hopefully it won't. And you know, obviously, um, until Gomez is is a fit available again in a couple of weeks. Um, but no, Monday night was just a fantastic experience for the three of them, wasn't it? I think it was. That they'll know that you know that it was. You know, circumstances dictated that they got their opportunity probably. You know, a bit ahead of schedule, and um, Hoover was clearly the pick of th- pick of the three on the night. Um, you know, I thought it was amazing to think he, he performed that well at such a young age. You know, completely unfazed by his, his surroundings. Um, more difficult for Curtis Jones. I felt for him a bit, really, because yeah. I don't think that was just wasn't his game, was it? Really, you it was know, a he, tough position. In, yeah, um, yeah. You know, he had, he had Moreno behind him as well, which you know, that's not not exactly ideal in terms of when you're trying to make your impact at the. The top level, and you know, see Mourinho stay at Liverpool. Then, <laughs> <laughs> the um, and then and just you know, you've yeah, already yeah. been blocked by Jose Enrique. Yeah. Do, you, do you want to get blocked by another? He's, he's out to get the Spanish left backs, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they, they they could all hold their heads high. They you know that they weren't the reason why Liverpool went out of the cup. Liverpool went out of the cup because far too many senior players who were given chances didn't perform well enough, and I'd have storage and. Moreno and and Cater and even Milner on the night mm. in that in yeah. that category. So, um, but yeah, just it'd be, it'd be interesting speaking to obviously Neil Critchley today at the academy about you know the twenty threes are playing Brighton on Monday night and um, you know probably at least a couple of those lads will probably find themselves be, yeah. being involved there in front of a hundred two hundred fans. It'll be a bit of a <laughs> bit of a come down for them compared to to life at Molyneux a week earlier. Um, but yeah, just brilliant experience and I think it just especially in the, in the example of Hoover because I know from speaking to people close to him that a massive part in Liverpool winning the race to get his signature ahead at Chelsea and United and City was was this fact that 
there is this pathway at Liverpool for young players that doesn't exist at a lot of other elite clubs. And in particular, he'd been sold on the Trent Alexander-Arnold story and how you know he'd gone in, in space of 12 months, really, from 18s to, to playing in the first team. And obviously, Hoover made that leap in the space of what, four months. So, um, and I think that will that will have a knock-on effect when Liverpool go calling for other, you know, elite young European talent this summer. Because, you know, again, they'll be pointing to Kajana Hoover and say, well, you know, if you if you've got the quality and you put you you know put the attitude and the application in like that kid, then that could be you. When you put it in context, that is one of the most impressive. Teenage performances, yeah. I think I, I think I've ever seen at Liverpool. I, I don't think that's exaggerating. No, and I think Liverpool have played the blind again than when they did because um, the system at Ajax, they're, they're very very willing to, to play young players. I think they've got a history of doing it. And mm. you look at the Europa League final just a couple of years ago against <coughs> Manchester United. They had Matias Delight and Davinson Sanchez as their yeah. centre back partnership, and Delight was only seventeen at the time, and Sanchez was I think he might have been twenty one. So. Who wouldn't have been too far away from the first team at Ajax at, at this stage? So once they start playing him, played hundred games, but yeah, yeah. So <laughs> once they, they started playing him in the first team, clubs would have picked up on it, and his transfer value would have rocketed. Yeah. So Liverpool are getting him in now at, at ninety thousand euros, was it? Um, that could prove to be an incredible piece of business over the next few years. More great work. He, he certainly earned his hundred and forty-five pound a week this week. Yeah. <laughs> They can have no, no complaints about getting value for money off for him as his, <laughs> as a scholar. Um, but yeah, they, I hope they, they slide a few quid his way. <laughs> I'm not sure you're allowed to actually because it's all, it's all set by the the Premier League that scholars earn 100, 100, I think it's 145 pound a week. I think it is, and you know, and then obviously he's turned 17 uh, later this month. So then you know that will be when he signs his first pro contract, and yeah. um, so you'll get a you know a, 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 a bit more pocket money to spend after that. Hopefully he gets a nice discount in the club shop. Ten <laughs> percent. <laughs> right. We'll finish off by finally unveiling James's lineup or all of our lineup together and doing our predictions. So obviously Alison in goal. Um, I think we're all going to agree on the back four. Um, Gorsley, take it away. <clears throat> Fabinho and Van Dijk, uh, Trent yep, yep. and uh, Andy Robertson. Yeah, that is it. Midfield. Go on, James. I'm going four-two-three-one. So okay. I'm going to go Henderson and Wijnaldum. Okay. As the two. Do you want me to go any further than that or not? Go on, then, does... then we'll debate it. Go on. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, the is kind of usual 4 2 3 Shakiri, <laughs> right, Mane left, and then Firmino behind Salah. Uh, I went with uh, Henderson, Milner and Wijnaldum, the, the often criticised midfield trio. Uh, I, Milner didn't have his best night against Wolves, but I just think away from home, Brighton are a decent side. I'd rather have Milner in, in the fight than navigator at the moment. Do you know what? I... Despite me almost crying over him in the middle of that podcast, <laughs> give, him the cap- give him the captain's <laughs> armband, statue, uh, new contract. I just, to be honest, I just, I've got to scratch that itch. I need to see him play, and, and I would play Cater. I would play four two three one with James, but I would, I would play Cater and Wijnaldum because I, I don't know whether Henderson obviously he's had a bit of a knock. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that's what I, that's what I'd do, but. I can understand if you guys don't want to go that way. Should we, <laughs> I mean, <should> we agree? <laughs> the front three is the, the front three. No, not leaving no, a yeah. in there or anything. No, no, I don't think any of us would do. Okay, so predictions, Gorsty? Mm, 
You got a bad feeling. I have, yeah. I've got a bad feeling. I've got a bad feeling. I try to, to, I try to say it when I've got a bad feeling because I don't want to sound like Mark Lawrence. Somebody just never picked Liverpool to lose. This guy's got Liverpool unbeaten. Yeah, yeah he's won the past Invincibles five years. for the past five years. <laughs> two two draw. Two two draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool three one. James never has a bad feeling. He's Mark Lawrence. <laughs> Mark too, isn't he? Um, yeah, I, th- I think it could be a little battle. Um, I think it'd be close. Two one Liverpool. I think they're too good. We'll leave it there. All right, thanks for joining. Oh, no, what, before we go, one oh, more thing. A big announcement. Just, uh, well, not a massive announcement, but just to, to confirm that our second Blood Red Live event is going to go down on February the 13th with James Pierce as one of our special guests. Um, Fitzy, Neil Fitzmaurice is the host. Paul Machen of the Red Men TV will also join James on stage and hopefully another special guest to be confirmed. Tickets aren't £5 million. Pounds. <laughs> they are. Have you, have you reduced the prices already? I've reduced the prices. I've gone from £5 million to a fiver. I can confirm that I sent out that tweet. But yeah, uh, £5 pound and a free drink, which I think is very good value. Much I think better value than £5 million pound the, and a free the, drink. The best tweet I saw last night in reply to your tickets cost £5 million pound is that Bournemouth said they'll buy four. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, good, very good, yeah. very good. Well, yeah, you can get your tickets at Eventbrite. Um, just head over to our Twitter or... If you're not a part of our Blood Red podcast group on Facebook, just search the Blood Red podcast. You can find them in there. Or on Facebook, um, our Live Echo LFC page. Um, get them soon. We've already sold a third, which is pretty really? good going. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, February 13th. Get that in your diary. Thanks very much for tuning in. And uh, let's hope we're talking about another Liverpool win on Monday afternoon. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.